Hey guys, welcome to the Warrior Project podcast. My name is Emmeline. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, growth and development consultant, and an all-round spiritual expert. And I'm Katie. I'm a nurse, a wellness junkie, and bestie to M. Uh, we're basically here to close the gap between mind, body, and soul because it's all connected and no one tells you that. So all the shit that we're going to talk about, society does not teach you. So buckle up and get ready to have your mind expanded. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You're with Emmeline and Katie. Hi. And we're basically just going to jump right in today. Um, So Katie and I went and got a coffee before and we were (laughs) having a chat about behaviors and certain negative behaviors that we have grown out of. And we started talking about how basically you know, whether it's, uh, you know, unhealthy eating habits, like disordered eating habits Mm -hmm. or depressive symptoms or anxiousness or whatever sort of behavior, negative behavior that you're associating to your health, it's symptomatic of something else. So I've always been a big believer that with me personally, um, about, I was probably about nine years ago now when I was initially diagnosed with depression, anxiety, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, and bulimia. At that time, I didn't realize that those particular labels, so to speak, were actually symptomatic of the fact that at that time, I simply just fucking hated myself. Mm -hmm, mm So before I understood that, my focus was on, for example, so if I draw on like, you know, the eating disorder stuff, right? So if I draw on bulimia and the fact that I was binging and purging at that time before I was more consciously aware I was focused on addressing the binging and purging itself yes so not like the actual issue no so like you know I'd go to therapists or doctors or psychiatrists and I was like okay my issue is I'm binging and purging yeah like that's the issue and did you find that that's what they would fo- like that's your symptom that's what they would focus on yeah yeah, yeah. so they so they didn't dig deeper and no. find out what's what's causing these issues they, no yeah like no, no like no one does and but but at the time I didn't know either so obviously like look to be fair I do think that some people are genetically predispositioned yeah. to certain mental health illnesses. Definitely. I do, but there is a genetic component. I'm For not sure. denying that. However, I do think that certain behaviors are symptomatic of something else that's going on. Yeah. So obviously it wasn't until I started to do all the inner child stuff or mm-hmm. the shadow work mm-hmm. where I realized, okay, hang on, hang on a minute. I'm, binging and purging when I'm stressed or anxious because I hate myself. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Why do I hate myself? Oh, it's because I feel like I'm not worthy because I don't have a certain body shape. Okay, where have I... Where has that come from? Where has that come from? Okay, cool. Let's like dig a little deeper. And that's when I was like, okay, when was the first earliest, most vivid childhood memory I have of feeling unworthy and like not enough and I was like okay I'm gonna need to like really sit with this and the earliest one that I had that I could remember was when I was I was about eight years old and so I started dancing when I was two I'd always like done dancing Mm -hmm. and then 
I'm not sure like I'm not sure how it happened. It could have been like a hormonal imbalance or like gut issues. I don't know. But around the age of eight, I just randomly like had a lot of puppy fat. Like yeah. I was like a chubby kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed at dancing, I like made an association between the girls that were at the back and then the girls that were at the front. Right. And I was like, okay, those girls that are all at the front are like a certain shape and size. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I became hyper aware of my body. I was like, okay, I don't look like them. I'm bigger than them. I'm fatter than them. And do you think like when you were being put at the back, was it actually to do with your weight, do you think? Or do you think it was just maybe you were one of the tall girls, but in your yeah. mind you'd associated yep. it as, well, all the girls at the front are little and I'm bigger than them. So yes. that's why I'm yeah. at the back. See, I don't know. Because so it could have been either or. It could have just been because like you had dark hair and all yep. the girls at the front had light yep. hair. Or it could have been skill-based. Yeah, like, yeah. But it's interesting that... That's where your brain goes. Yeah. It goes, I'm not yep. good enough. I'm at the back. Yep. I'm not good enough because yep. I'm bigger or whatever it is. Yeah. And do you know what's interesting? So at eight years old, I was able yeah. to make that association. So then I'm thinking, fuck, where has that conditioning come yeah. from? If at eight years eight old... Years old. I can be in a group of other girls and feel that insecure yep. within yep. yourself. Yep. 100%. Like, where has that come from? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, at what point in my childhood or in society were we made to make an association between unworthiness and yes. just being different? Yeah. So, yeah. So, obviously, yeah, I did that work and came to that realization. And I was like, okay. So, all right. At that point in time, I deemed myself unimportant because of how I looked. Mm-hmm. So then from the age of eight, I just remember like being in primary school and just being super fucking conscious of my body all the time. Yeah. And then as I got a little bit older and my intellect developed, because I was always pretty smart and pretty switched on. Mm-hmm. And then as my intellect developed and I hit about 13, 14, that's when I developed my first eating disorder. And I was like, right. hang on. I hit puberty. And dropped a bit of weight as well. Um, and then from there, I was like, do you know what? I think I'm going to eat less so I can be smaller. Was there a little bit of confirmation bias going on there with you as well? Like, did you start noticing that people yes. were treating you differently yes. when you lost weight? And listen to this, right? And this is the fucked thing. So when I dropped all, like, a lot more weight because I was restricting my food and I adopted these, you know, anorexic type behaviors. Mm-hmm. I got, I was fucking put at the front at dancing right. all the time right. because I looked like the token ballerina. Yeah. I was slim. My collarbones were showing. My hip bones were showing. Yeah. I was lean straight up and down. I had no breasts. My back was lean. Like I just looked like this athletic slim ballerina. Yeah. So then I was put at the front. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is reinforcing exactly. the behavior. I'm worthy it. now. Yes. Like I'm worthy now. Yes. And I think... Obviously, like, we can go deeper on another episode with this, but when you get older and you are exposed to more social media, TV shows, magazines, blah, 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 everything is weight-focused. Yeah, it is. Like, everything that I'd see on my mum's magazines was like, oh, I had to lose five pounds in one week. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, my God, try this juice diet, Kim Kardashian this, the fucking Kardashians that. And I was like, hang on a minute. And then it's like unconsciously you make this association with worthiness and like physicality yeah and looking a certain way and i think that's a symptom i don't know if it's different for girls growing up now maybe it's better maybe it's worse but i feel like a lot of girls who grew up in the 90s Mm. have that ingrained in their brain like you have to you know 
when you look at the people who were on the front of those magazines, like in their bikinis, yeah, there was no body fat to them. You know, no. like and you think back to like Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan, like how tiny they were, and that was glorified. Yeah, and like yeah. it's it shows how much like of a lasting effect that has in our brains, even massive. You know, decades down the track. Yeah, and it just sort of builds that. Well, what I say to my clients is that conditioning. So yes. when I say, so for those who don't know, when I say, you know, we have two selves. So we have our conditioned self and our authentic self mm-hmm. and our conditioned self. So if I say to someone, oh, that's your conditioning or it's my conditioning. Conditioning just basically means it's the outer part of your psyche that has been developed as a result of societal pressures, cultural pressures and patterns, um, traumas um it's like a trauma response do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so yeah your conditioning is behaviors or things that have happened to you that aren't necessarily true or authentic to to like who you are to who you are at your core yeah and then obviously your authentic self is your like your unconditioned raw unfiltered self like how you were born like who you were born to be who you were born to be and i feel like all this self-development self-discovery shit is literally a journey of coming back to yourself. Yes, it's for sure. literally like all this self development stuff is. It just comes down to deconditioning yourself, just unlearning all of the all bullshit the yeah. that society taught you that has no basis. Yeah, there is no truth behind any of it. It's no. sort of just like all of these conditions have been designed to group us into these little mini subgroups and separate us and make us try and attach to cliques and groups and labels when really as a collective and as a whole, we are all the same. Yeah. And all these subgroups are all a fucking illusion because we're all the same. Yeah, exactly. So it's just about coming back to To yourself. To your true self. Yes. But um, coming back to what I was saying (laughs) about like all the inner child work. So yeah, so then basically it was a knock-on effect. And when I was, you know, doing all this work, I was like, okay, so the dancing kicked off this acknowledgement which then led into the disordered eating stuff in my early teens Mm -hmm. which then led on to feelings of continued feelings of just unworthiness so Mm -hmm. the disordered eating stuff i slightly grew out of it when i was about 15 16 okay um but I was still hyper aware of my physicality, how I looked, how other girls looked. So you were still having quite disordered thoughts. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, oh, massively, like full on. And then I was still heavily associating my self-worth with how I looked and how I presented. Mm -hmm. And so then when there was an opportunity for, I got into the gym Mm -hmm. um, and training and stuff when I was about 17, 18, 19 then at 19, I did this bodybuilding bikini comp. Right. And that's where things kind of went downhill again. For Massive. You, it? Yeah. yeah. So I felt like if I did this comp, I was like, oh, then I'll be worthy. Then I'll be validated. Then I'll be acknowledged yeah. for this being the epitome of whatever the fuck feminine beauty is. Yeah. You know, maybe I will be worthy now. And yeah, so after the comp, Basically, my hormones were shit, my menstrual cycle was shit, my head was shit, and then, like, developed bulimia. You kind of just spiraled. A bit I just spiraled, yeah. So yeah. then there was the bulimia, there was the moodiness, there was the ups and downs, and it was almost like a switch went off and all of the self-loathing and all of the self-hate 
that had sort of been bubbling under the surface, it was like, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Face me now. Mm-hmm. You had no choice but to face no it. No choice. So there was, yeah. you know, all the suicidal tendencies, suicidal ideations, um, oncoming of like, yeah, the bulimia. It was very, very bad, like up to six times a day, yeah. which was just horrific. Um, then there were, you know, throw in there like my addiction with some drugs, with ephedrine, yeah. because I was just like wanting to either A, get skinny or stay skinny or B, I just wanted to completely numb out everything. Just, yep. you just didn't want to, you didn't want to feel it. Yep. And I know you were admitted to like, you spent time in a couple of different yes. like, mental health clinics yes. to help with eating disorders. Yeah. What sort of age were you when, when that sort of first oh. started happening? Okay, so the first clinic that I was admitted into was when I was 20. Um, and that was mostly just for how bad my depression and anxiety was. Like mm-hmm. I was suicidal mm-hmm. um, and my parents didn't know what else to do. So they admitted me into this clinic, um, which uh, didn't really do much. It was sort of, once again, like it was they addressing the symptoms. symptoms. So. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping. Cool. Let's give her a sleeping tablet. Yeah. She's shaking with anxiety. Let's give her an anxiety medication. Yeah. She's suicidal. Let's give her something for that. Yeah. And like, I'm like, they'll give you mood stabilizers. Yes. They'll feed you up so that your weight increases. Correct. They monitor you so that they know how much is coming in and going Going out out. and weighing you every day. Yes. I've spent time in mental health clinics as a nurse. So I I see it from the other side. Yes. Okay. Um, Yeah. You know, even, even spending my time there, I mean, I was a student nurse at the time. I could see how backwards it was because they were. They were just treating mm. each individual symptom and they yes. weren't really looking at what was causing the symptom. those symptoms. Like, why was this person um, you know, manifesting these sorts of behaviours? Why yep. were they in self-destruct mode? Yep. That just, yep. Which is essentially what it was. Yep. Like, like, how did you get to this point? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like, but I will, like, I will acknowledge, though, I do feel that clinical modes are important like i would be lying if i said oh i spiritually healed myself and i was natural like like no there was a period of time where an antidepressant helped me because i do believe there is a chemical neurological component to mental illness 100 percent. and sometimes having a medication will help get you to a point where you can absorb the coping mechanisms that's right so when you're at that point and you're maintaining that stability, cool, start to come off the medication. Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, look, if you're if you're severely underweight to the point where, and I've seen it happen, to the point where people are literally palliative, like they are yeah. going to die because yeah. they are that malnourished. Yeah. I mean, there's no point treating, you know, the, the issue that's causing that symptom. So I can understand where they're coming yeah. from, where yeah. they do have to treat the symptoms in order to get someone at that baseline. Yes. Where they can then focus on... Yes. What's actually fucking going on? Like, what is causing this? But yeah. that's that's the thing. It's it is li- the most powerful approach. It's a combination of both. Yes, but I think they they just fix the symptoms and then discharge you, send you yes. on your way, and then it happens again, and again, and again. Yeah, because the symptom, like if you look at it, like okay, I've got a wicked analogy. Okay, so <laughs> if you look at it, like okay, if you're doing the weeding right, you're not just gonna grab the top of the weed and rip the top bit out. Yeah, you're actually gonna grab the, the weed from the from roots, the roots. Yeah. right? You want it all. So, yeah. So if you want to pull it, the whole thing out from the sand, which is the roots, you need to get to that bottom layer of okay, how did we get to this yeah. point? So that's why they're literally just going over it with a lawnmower. Yes, like that's literally all they're exactly. Doing. They're just the scraping that top. There. Yeah. So that's why whenever like I meet 
you know, and I start with growth and development clients, one of the first things I say to them is, tell me about your family life. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your relationship with your mum, with your dad, with your siblings. I want to know about the family unit. I want to know about your childhood. I want to know about your most vivid memories mm -hmm. because that is going to tell me everything I need to know about why you are the way you are today. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I'm I mean? I'm sure you get people that present with like, I just want to lose weight. It's like, okay, but I'm like, but why? Why? And how, how did, did you, you get, get to this, this point? point? Yeah. Yeah. So what, like once I was able to, so once I'd been in, you know, a few of these clinics, so obviously the first one, and then I did a few outpatient programs for bulimia. I just noticed that being taught what to eat and how to eat and how to manage stress and anxiety, it just wasn't doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And I just, I remember being so frustrated and I just said to my mum, I just was like, mum, I don't fucking understand. I was like, we have done everything. Yeah. Psychiatrists, psychologists, Reiki healers, hypnotherapists, naturopaths like doctors like why aren't i fixed <laughs> i i don't understand we have tried every medication i have done cbt fucking other bt every bt <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. and i just it wasn't until i started doing the really deep meditative spiritual practices that i was able to bring everything together and mm -hmm. i was like holy shit my intense emotional responses to stresses are actually not 20 or however old I was, 25, let's say, because I'm 29 now. Mm. So when I realized, I was like, holy shit, these responses are not 25 or 26-year-old Emmeline. They're like 10-year-old Emmeline yes. who hated herself and was hyper aware of her body and felt uncomfortable in who she was. Mm -hmm. So addressing like that childhood trauma and all that childhood shit made me realize, okay, fuck like this is where this has come from yeah. and that's when i could start reconditioning yourself yeah and that's when i could start teaching myself how to give less fucks about certain things mm -hmm. and that's when when i became introspective right which is mm -hmm. when i turned my energy inward and i was like okay what do i actually who do i actually want to be like what qualities and traits do i have that are sort of like being masked and being clouded here yeah so going around that it was uncomfortable, it was yeah. embarrassing, it was painful, it was shameful, it was awkward. And sitting in shame, I feel, is the hardest thing to do as a human being. Yeah. Admitting that you were embarrassed that you got bullied when you were 10 years old by boys because you were fat. Yeah, something which a lot of people can probably relate to. Yeah, I'm it's sure shameful. everyone got bullied in some way or another. Yeah, it's shameful. It wasn't until I did some work with a spiritual mentor and this memory vividly came out of when I was 10 years old and I was like chubby and I was getting bullied by this little boy who was same age as me, who was like kicking me in the shins. I remember this, like I was in a classroom and he was kicking me in the shins underneath the desk and calling me fat mm -hmm. and asking me if I was pregnant. Cause that's how oh fat I God. was. Yeah. And that memory came out and when it did, I was hit with so much, I just started crying. And I was like, that happened fucking 20 years ago or so, or whatever it was, 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And it just hit me. And I remember just being overwhelmed with so much shame and sadness mm -hmm. and hurt. And it's not until you acknowledge that place and sit in that shame and that discomfort that you're able to sort of like 
grow from that yeah you, and integrate you, you've that. got to sort of work through it you can't just ignore it gloss over it no you, you've got to work through it if you don't admit to certain shames whether it's something that happened to you something that you did or it was a mistake or something that something that you were involved in that caused you shame or pain or an uncomfortable emotion if you don't acknowledge that and own that you'll never you'll get anywhere never get anywhere you, you won't progress not. no so that's why I think like if we relate this to like, okay, let's relate this to, for example, like when I first met you years ago mm -hmm. and you were binge eating, mm -hmm. like- I was uh, fucking miserable. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, why were you binging? You weren't binge eating because you were fucking bored and hungry. Like, why? Yeah. Well, I was miserable at work. Yeah. Absolutely miserable at work. Um, I was having a bit of an identity crisis, I think. I was in a really toxic workplace. Um, and it just, it fucked with my head. Like I, I didn't know who I was anymore. Like I had really low self-esteem. I just, I felt so shit about myself. So why were you binging? Is were I was you... trying to feel good. Like I was, okay. I, that okay. I was masking, you know, these shitty, shitty negative feelings. And I turned to food yep. to, to give me that dopamine hit, to make me feel good, even if it was only temporary and yep. I'd hate myself afterwards. Yeah. Like, you know, a so block you, of chocolate was like, oh, cool. I feel good about myself for three minutes and okay. then I feel crap. So you were wanting instant gratification yes. to distract you from an uncomfortable emotion. Exactly. And I think as well, I was trapped. I felt I was trapped in that particular job. So I felt like I've just got to just got to keep on keeping on. I've just got to get through this, you know, this year until I can move the fuck on. Yeah. Um, and that was how I coped. And I, um, looking back now, like I was... I was depressed. Like I was never properly diagnosed as such, but I mean, no. you were there, you witnessed it. Yeah. I remember like, years ago, you were like, you would just cry yeah. at the start of the session yeah. and you would look fucked. And I was like, yeah. you are not happy about something. No. And I don't think you were ready to admit no. that you weren't happy in your job, that you weren't happy because you, you know what I think it is? Like if I, if I'm to like analyze it now, I feel like you were unhappy in your job, but that was because you were working a lot. And I feel like there was a part of you that didn't want to admit that because then you were going to feel like a failure yeah. for feeling like, fuck, I can't handle this workload. Yeah. I'm not going to admit that because that doesn't meet the expectation that I have for myself yes. of working this much. Yeah. And I'm going to be perceive myself. Yeah, I'm right. I can feel goosebumps down the right side of my body. <laughs> yes, I'm spot on. Um, and yeah, I feel like, you felt that if you admitted that you would feel ashamed and like a failure. Yeah. And I was horrible to myself. Like yep. I took that out on my, my like physical appearance. Yep. Like I remember having like panic attacks in the gym basically. Well, like, you know, I, I'm sure I looked fine on the outside, but I internally I was, I like, I, there was times when like I had to leave the gym because I was literally just, I was like holding in tears doing I remember. like an ab exercise mm -hmm. or something. Cause like in my head I was thinking, Everyone's looking at me. Everyone's yep. wondering, like, why are you here? You're yep. fat. You're disgusting. Like, yep. why are you even bothering? Yeah. And, like, when I look back now, like, there was nothing wrong with me. No. I was literally just saying all these horrible, horrible negative things to myself because I was unhappy. Like, it was just yep. a reflection of how poorly my mental health was doing, yep. basically. Yeah. And, I mean, it wasn't just the binge eating. Like, I... I was sleeping a lot because I had no motivation to get out of bed. Like I'd literally like wake up for 15 minutes before I had to leave for work, yep. you know, jump in the shower, brush my teeth and then go to work. Yep. Um, and compared to like my lifestyle now, it's completely different. Like I spring out of bed at 5am and go to the gym and, yep. but that's another story. Yeah. But yeah, just, you know, it manifested itself for me in just 
overeating, under-exercising, just trashing my body, just yeah. not treating myself like I should, just not loving myself, really, yeah. because I didn't think I was worth it. Yeah. And I feel like that that's the takeaway. It's like, I don't know where this has come from, but it's almost like with any sort of mental health issue or anything related to mental illness or like, you know, not being 100% on your game, our response is to beat ourselves up more mm-hmm. and to continue that cycle and to reinforce the fact that we're not good enough yeah. rather than being like, oh shit, I actually need to give myself some acknowledgement, some validation, some love and some care right now because yes. I'm struggling. Yes. So because I'm struggling, what my psyche and my spirituality and my mind, body and soul needs is it needs some nurturing and it needs something needs to be addressed here. Like yeah. I'm feeling unhappy because of this and it's tied to this and it's tied to this limiting belief and this core value that needs changing. No one teaches you that. No. It's it's almost like everyone that I have met who has had some sort of mental health issue, their response to feeling down is to kick themselves while they're down. Yeah, exactly. Like you push yourself harder. You tell yourself what a piece of shit you are because you yeah. because you didn't get up and go to the gym yeah. that morning or because you ate a whole block of chocolate. Yeah. You go, what a piece yeah. of shit you are. Yeah. Like, it's you know, it's like- always going to be like this. You're never going to get any better, which is terrible. Yeah. When I compare it to like the self-talk in my head now, like yeah. if I like run – like, okay, so I'm trying to start running and yeah, I'm yeah. going to like, you know, park runs on the weekend. Like, I pat myself on the back just for getting up and going. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if I run. I pat myself on the back like, all the time. And like, if I run 2K without stopping, I'm like, fuck yeah, Caitlin. You're like, I'm fuck so yeah. proud of you. Just gonna like, yeah. Give myself it's a little like, bit of a. I'm proud of you for getting up and coming here because I know that, like, coming here by yourself, it's a scary thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I'm proud of you for running. I'm proud yes. of you for pushing. Like, I'm so. Yes. Internal dialogue. Yes. And that, I mean, that's a whole other yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, I can relate to that. I know when I started making all my own, like, graphic design type stuff. So I used to say to myself in my head, you can't do tech stuff. You have to pay a designer. You're not good enough. You can't do it. This was years ago. Yeah. And recently I've been like, nah, I'm actually going to try. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to see how I go. And I'll never forget this. I was struggling to use, like, Canva, right, a few yeah. weeks ago to, like, make a poster and I remember I figured it out. It took me like only 20 minutes. It took me 20 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And then I had a break and my partner, Josh, was like, oh, you stopped work. And I was like, babe, I figured it out. It took me 20 minutes and I figured it out. So I'm going to have a 40-minute nap because I'm just going to reward myself because the mental strength and courage it took me to just harness that mm-hmm. and figure it out, I was like, oh, yeah, boy, and I was so excited. And I was like, babe, I'm having a nap, and then I'll just, I'll just sort it out after. I'll just finish yeah. it. Like, but yeah, I feel like whenever we, like, whenever we're like, we just feel struggle or uncomfortable as human beings. It's almost like if a surface is too hot, you touch it and you pull your hand away, right? Mm. I feel like that analogy can be transcended over to uncomfortable emotions mm, or yes, emo- any definitely. any emotion in general like if you if something is making you feel uncomfortable or anxious i feel like you we move have, away from it yes we have been conditioned yeah. to step back and be like holy shit that's scary i'm actually not even i'm not gonna do that i'm not even gonna do that yeah and then you start to overthink and you start to doubt yourself and the inner critic comes in mm-hmm. and that's just come from our conditioning of mm-hmm. unrealistic expectations comparison of other people and their lives mm-hmm. and it's just fucking ridiculous Mm -hmm. when realistically 
there is no such thing as failure. It's just feedback. It's neutral data. It's yes, feedback. Yes. But we're not taught that. When society doesn't teach us this shit. No. It's like you're comparing to other self-created like expectations that might not even be suited to you that aren't even realistic mm. for your individual situation. And it's just ridiculous. And I feel like if anyone is to take anything from this rant and this conversation, <laughs> I feel like it comes down to self-awareness. And if there is a certain behavior, whether it's an addiction or it's, you know, just a self-behavior that you know. Like a bad habit. A bad habit. Or... Just not like I don't even like to call them bad habits, but if it's if it's, if it's something, something that's negatively impacting you yes, in your life. Yes, if it's something that's preventing you from growing mm-hmm. and you know it is, whether it's like doing drugs, getting involved in unhealthy relationships, mm-hmm. under-eating or overeating, yep. under-training or overtraining, being lazy, but you know, negative self-talk, whatever it is, I feel like your ability to change that is going to come back to your self-awareness. Yes. So if you are, because quite often if there's a, let's just like if we try and like if I try and illustrate it, let's just say there's a stressor or a trigger, your response to that quite often is unconscious and autopilot. Yeah. So for example, whenever I would feel stressed, Straight away, I'd kick into autopilot of binging and purging, Mm -hmm. the bulimia tendencies. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, fuck, I'm stressed. I'm upset. I feel like shit. I'm not going to sit with that or be consciously aware of that. I'm just going to kick into, what did you call it? Like survival mode. Yeah, like survival mode, basically. Like that's your form of self-soothing. That's your coping mechanism. Correct. Yes. I'm going to retreat into my bulimic tendencies and get like a temporary surface level release. And then I'll deal with the aftermath later. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And it was like autopilot. I would straight away go into, it was like, it was like a ritual. It was Mm -hmm. literally trigger ritual response, trigger Mm -hmm. ritual response. And I feel like once you get past that autopilot stage where you consciously choose to start spending time by yourself and sitting with the uncomfortable emotions and sitting with the uncomfortable memories the shame whatever it is once you acknowledge like yeah. what what is the trigger why is it triggering, triggering me, me. where really has gotta, this come yeah, from you've got to I peel fit. back all those layers. layers yeah once you do that and you become conscious that's yes. the key word conscious and consciously aware of the cycle mm-hmm. that's when you can change the yeah. behavior you can start yes. questioning like why yes. why am i reacting this way because this isn't yes. aligning with my goals yes and then you can make the decision of what to do. Like mm-hmm. what I said to you about what I, so even though I've been bulimia recovered for three years, the voice is still there. Yeah. So like if you think about your brain and there's like a shelf in your brain with like habits, triggers, whatever, whenever there is a stress that comes up, I consciously make the decision to run a bath, to go to the beach, to write, to meditate. But I still hear that voice of just go binge perch. Like it's there. That's the easy option. Yeah. And that's what you've done before. And that's what you did for years before. So that 
response, that autopilot response is still there, mm. but I'm looking at it from a different perspective and a different level of consciousness. That's yes. the difference. I'm yes. at a different level of consciousness. I'm able to identify that is a low vibration behavior. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm aware that that voice is there, mm-hmm. but no, no, no. I do it. this now. I go to the beach yeah. or I run a bath and read my book or I meditate or I, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So because I'm at that level of conscious awareness, I can then make a choice. And I'm like, okay, I'm stepping in this direction. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's basically what I feel like the takeaway should be is, yes, there is temporary discomfort of sitting with these emotional triggers and it's shameful and it's painful and it is nitty and gritty and icky and it's disgusting. But like you said, you've got to sit with it. Like You You have to. Otherwise, you'll never progress. Correct. You'll never move. Yes. So you've just got to sit with it, acknowledge it, figure out where it's come from, figure out the feedback cycle that it's creating once you are consciously aware of it, you can be like, holy shit. Yeah. And then you can make a different you decision. You can change that, that thought process. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, like, that is the answer. <laughs> Done. Fixed. That is, that, is, that is the answer. You just <laughs> sit with nitty gritty, like, shameful, uncomfortable childhood shit. Sometimes not even childhood shit, just like any just shit. shit. <laughs> just shit. Just sit with the shit and then <laughs> become aware of it. And then you can just sort of enhance your self-awareness your level of consciousness and then you make decisions from like a high version of yourself yeah and that's the key takeaway is raising your vibration and your consciousness so that you're making decisions from a different version of yourself exactly i think you know like once you acknowledge it you're consciously aware of your thought process and what your autopilot response is yeah you can adjust it you can change it to to align with what you want to achieve to allow you to grow yeah 100 percent. yeah so anyway I think that was like That's, a pretty, pretty that was pretty on point. We pretty much, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, guys, thank you for listening and tuning in. Um, if you want more, where do they go, Katie? If, if you want more, you have questions or. If you want some more, we've got a Instagram handle, The Warrior Project. Um, you can hit us up for any DMs. If you've got any topics you want us to cover, any feedback. Questions, comments, queries. Know there's anything in particular you want us to rant about there is anything any mental health issue under the sun i can guarantee you i have experienced (laughs) so do not be afraid to make comments message us um, on instagram at the warrior project um but anyway thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you next week